This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. This is Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Uh, morning, morning. Morning, yes, it morning. is. It is. It's another morning. Um, speaking of morning yeah. and, and waking up and all mm. that, I need to quiz you about oh. your dream. Oh, my dream from the other day. Yeah, your dream in which I was heavily featured. Yes, you were. It was it was rather odd. You know, when I, I have dreams, they tend to be quite vivid. Uh, mm. Particularly, I think I spoke about it uh, either on the Arsecast Extra or I spoke about it on, on the regular Arsecast and how during January I had uh, uh, not been drinking. And so you have these r- really wild, vivid dreams. And lots of people came and told me, yes, this is what happens when your brain is not fuzzed by by alcohol. Um, But it's also true that when you do drink alcohol, you can also have some crazy dreams. So we, the dream I had was that you uh, had become the star of this sitcom on the BBC. I guess you're, you were like Mrs. Brown's boys. You were that good. And you were, (laughs) you were, I made it. Yeah. Big time. I know that's always been your ambition, but the thing was, um, because the more successful you got, the taller you were. And you were enormously tall. Like, about, like how tall? About nine foot tall. Okay, okay. Um, like if you've ever seen the picture of, I think it could be Shaquille O'Neal, who is uh, a very tall basketball player. Uh, and then they have a picture of him alongside a model that they've made of the tallest man that ever lived. Um, who was an American man years ago. He used to be in the Guinness Book of World Records the whole time as the tallest man that ever lived. I was Shaquille O'Neal, and you were the really tall guy, but you were enormous. But I asked you, um, you know, c- can I get a, like a, a part on the show? Could I just a little cameo, you know, do, do me a solid here? You Crumbs know. from the table. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You're, you're coining it in. You are Mrs. Brown and you're millions. And, <laughs> and uh, you got really, really angry, like furiously angry, because you were convinced that the only reason I was asking you for a, uh, a part on the show was that I could steal the sandwiches that you were being given as part of your, your rider, I guess, that the BBC, in order to keep you sweet, were giving you these platters of sandwiches. Uh, and yeah, you were con- that, I demand sandwiches everywhere I go. That's yeah. a known fact. And you were convinced that I wanted your sandwiches. And I, I was trying to say to you, no, I don't, I don't even like those kind of sandwiches because they were cut into triangles with the crust taken off. And uh, 
and uh, no, you weren't having it. And as you got angrier, you started shrinking and shrinking. The BBC then came along and said, well, now that you're really small, we're cancelling your show. Uh, and then you got into a houseboat and drove it into a canal and went, now look what you did, and drove off. And my impression was that you were just going to live on the canal in your houseboat forevermore. Your, your, well, your sitcom over. Wow. I mean, I do like sandwiches and I have toyed with the idea of living on a houseboat. Mm. So there's an element of truth to this dream. Also, I am a, a rampant egomaniac who, <laughs> you know, would 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 reject any request for a part that someone like you, you know, came to me with. Oh, someone, would, someone like me. What does that mean? Someone like people like me? What are you saying? The Irish. The Irish. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> no Irish allowed in my version of it's an anglicised Mrs. Brown's boys. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm sure it's. Uh, oh God, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very um, it was very interesting dream. Did, did you wake up sort of angry at me? No, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, uh, okay. it was you it understood was, my decisions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the guy really loves his sandwiches and his sitcom. He's being quite protective of this, but you know, there is pro- probably a little part of me that harbors. To, to this day, some resentment. Uh, why? And, and now why don't we, you like? Sorry, why don't you like those sandwiches? Are you a crusts man? Yeah, I, I, I like I like a bit of crunch in a sandwich. Like I like sometimes right. a white bread sandwich is nice. You know, soft bread. It is. I mean, you know, it's grand. But give me a, a baguette or something uh, with a bit of crunch to it. I prefer those. You know, it's not that I wouldn't eat those sandwiches. I just prefer other ones. And if I was gonna, if I was gonna be completely duplicitous or try to maneuver in a Machiavellian way you out of your sitcom so I could get your sandwiches, it wouldn't be for those sandwiches. That's I see. That's what I'm I saying. understand. Yeah, I understand. Um, what else can I tell you? I tell you what. I was in hospital this weekend. You'll be surprised to know. <laughs> oh, uh, um, hang on, but- everybody. This is the point where our season starts uh, to get going again. No, no, wait, don't get overexcited. Oh. Uh, it, I was not the person being treated. Oh sadly. my god. Um, my grandfather's been in hospital, which isn't in itself interesting or good news no. particularly but I was there visiting him at Watford General Hospital and the doctor on patrol on patrol is that what they are they're on call I think rather than patrol <laughs> that's soldiers um, came up to me and just suddenly said are you James McNicholas and I said yes yes I am and he said I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the podcast. I listen to the podcast every week, and he was like, "Oh, I lo- I listened to Ask Blog, and my mum was there, and my mum was going, he's done a blog, he's not Ask Blog, and I was like, no, it's on <laughs> the podcast is on Ask Blog, mum, don't don't worry about it, and uh, let's not argue with the doctor treating my grandfather over this particular issue. Brilliant. And and anyway, so then I sort of was trying to you know use this to sort of kind of leverage better treatment for my granddad. I felt like when he came over and was you know giving him the one over I felt he was particularly attentive because he knew if he did a good job he had a chance of being mentioned on the podcast so Franklin at Watford General thank you very much indeed for the care you give my grandfather he seems to be on the mend so it's good news that is good news glad to hear it and I I love the idea that your mum is like no he's he's gonna vlog yeah it's absolutely furious I mean I'll be honest with you this happens to me quite a lot people often will in the street shout out at me ask blog or something like that Or, or they'll or they'll be like oh you do the Arsenal blog you're the you're the ask blog guy and I have to be like I'm not the I'm not the ask blog guy I'm like the the shit alternative but like uh, that, that, that's quite a frequent part of my life. But yeah, it was funny having my mum there Very fighting my corner, wanting to get, you know, super brand out there. Superb. Yeah. Uh, just got some breaking news in here, James. Apparently you've won Best Picture at the uh, the Oscars. 
They oh, made the wrong I, decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they've they've awarded it to Gunnerblog. Oh no, sorry, it was Arsblog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awful, isn't it? God. Imagine um, the awkwardness of that. Hopefully that happens with the Premier League. They give it to Chelsea <laughs> and then someone sidles up to John Terry as he's lifting the trophy and they're like, oh, there's been a terrible mistake. That would have been good at the EFL Cup, actually. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it. You know what I did yesterday? I, I, went, into, I went into town um, to meet my dad and my brother and, uh, for a pint and um, went in. I was looking for, I, I've got a problem in the sense that I feel like I don't manage my time correctly. Mm-mm. So I was looking for some kind of um, diary slash planner that I could, the night before, try and plan out my day a little bit better. So, you know, between, uh, let's say for today, uh, between 10 and 12 uh, podcasts, between, you know, 12 and 1, write for ESPN or do whatever it is. Sure. And try and put everything in order to try and structure my day so I can just manage my time better and not fritter away time as much as I uh, as I do at this moment in, uh, in time. So I went into a stationery shop and I was looking at these big diaries. They were great. But do you know what the problem was? They all stopped at six o'clock. Like the what? Yeah, six o'clock in the evening. That was it. There was no no room for anything after six p.m. And I was thinking, hey, I feel I feel put upon here because some of us we don't stop work at six p.m. We have to like schedule things beyond six p.m. What is going on here? But every yeah. single one I looked for, there were normal diaries, there were super diaries, and then I spotted this thing called the Ultra Diary. And I thought, well, look, if anything is going to have uh, it's room, gonna be that one room beyond six o'clock, it's going to be the Ultra Diary. Nah, six o'clock, six o'clock. This is crazy. What about evening plans? Absolutely. That's, you know, yeah, it's like that's the, the day, fun bit. The day doesn't just stop at 6 p.m. Maybe it does if you're, you know, Johnny office a lot and you work from 9 to 5 and you don't have to schedule meetings outside of work, traditional work hours. But we live in a new world, people. It's just it's just outrageous. Um, Mrs. Bloggs found one that, that went to 8 p.m., but the problem with that one was it looked like, it looked like a priest's um, Bible. And I said, no, I don't want that. It looks a bit too priesty for me. Yeah, it had the yeah. gilded, you know, the the side of the pages. It was all uh, goldy, like that. Oh, kind of- that's that's. I mean, that is fancy. But it is I fancy, but fancy. yeah, no, I wasn't into it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still struggling with time. So there you go. Wow, um, we need to find some time. For also, I like the, the the name Johnny Office a lot. An Office a lot sounds like a kind of wild cat that lives under the photocopier. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I uh, yeah, uh, that's crazy. I mean, look, mm. you know, what if there's a an evening game like there is next week? You know, exactly. Arsenal Bayern, which we're all looking forward to. Absolutely. so Absolutely, they had a terrible result this weekend, didn't they, Bayern? Oh, yeah, just the eight goals, I think it was. Blimey, eight nil. Apparently, they weren't actually playing that well until they played us, but their, their form's really picked up since. We gave them a boost. We really are the kindest team in the world. We, we managed <laughs> to instill confidence and belief and uh, vim and vigour and, and spunk into other teams. It's just... I don't know. Anyway, yeah. It's, it's so did be you watch fun. any football no, this weekend? No, I refused point blank to watch the EFL Cup final because I knew what was going to happen. I said on the Arsecast on Friday, nah, you know it'll happen? It'll be like a 78th minute goal by Zlatan and we'll be like, nah. But it was 87th minute goal, so I was a little bit off. Had the same, the right numbers, just in the wrong order. Yeah. Um, 
And no, I didn't watch it because, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to watch any of them being happy. Well, yeah, I mean, the football wasn't great on Sunday with that and, and Spurs mm. uh, winning very heavily as well. I mean, did, did you enjoy a weekend off from, from watching Arsenal in the Premier League then? Nice little respite? I, I don't know if I did. I don't know if I did. I know I've seen that uh, a few people have asked that yeah. question, you know, have we, have we enjoyed having a weekend free? And in some ways, you know, you can, at least you're not really unhappy and miserable that we haven't won a game or we've lost a game. But, you, you know, chances are we might have won if we've been playing Southampton in the Premier League. You know, we've beaten Southampton. Uh, mm. And we could have won and we could be talking about football and feeling happy, you know. Um, and we've got to play that game at some point anyway. So, no, I, I find it a bit weird, you know, when there's no there's no Arsenal at the weekend, the weekend doesn't feel quite the same, especially when everyone else is playing. We're the only team not to be playing this weekend, so. Yeah, it hasn't got the same uh, set structure to the weekend, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels a bit, it feels a little bit empty. Yeah. And I, like you, I've sort of had very little interest in in what was going on in the Premier League. I might tune in tonight. Um, it's Leicester-Liverpool yeah. this evening. Yeah, uh, I'm intrigued to see how that one pans out. I mean, we haven't spoken since Claudio Ranieri went. That was a, an interesting one. But did you, yeah. where, where did you sit on that one? You know, I thought it was... I can see both sides of the, the argument in the sense that you go, oh my God, this is a guy that won them... Or, or brought them to the Premier League title last season. An amazing, incredible achievement. And he deserves nothing but credit for that and for the way that, you know, he's behaved. Uh, and you do wonder if the Leicester players just got a bit fucking up their own arses because of it. You yeah. know, I know the team haven't been playing particularly well, but there was there were stories about how, oh, they didn't like having to do extra training or, you know, they weren't necessarily uh, convinced by making the squad bigger, even though you've got to deal with European football. You know, you can't just use the same 11 players because that was that was part of their thing, wasn't it, last year, was the, the consistency of selection that he was able to do because they were just playing a Premier League game, Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. And then when you've got to combine it with Europe and the expectation that comes with champions. But, you know, the form has been so bad that uh, it, it, it does feel maybe like he lost the dressing room or certainly there were forces within that dressing room conspiring against him to make it look even more like he'd lost the dressing room than, than maybe he had, you know, this delegation mm-hmm. of players going to the owners and complaining about him. I mean, fuck those guys. That would be my thinking on it. And uh, as much as I don't want Liverpool to win tonight, I also don't want Leicester to win. What, what did you think? Yeah, I, it'll be strange if those guys, their performances suddenly pick up. I think, you know, Arsene Wenger's actually talked about it, hasn't he? The, the kind of psychological hurdle that has to be overcome when you achieve something enormous. I remember when Germany won the World Cup, he spoke about that as potentially an issue for Per Mertzsacker and, and Mesut Ozil, people like that. Mm. I think in that case, at least there's like a change of scene. You know, you're playing with a different team. I do think that for the Leicester players who won the league in such improbable circumstances and then were rewarded with these huge contracts, I think it probably is difficult to find motivation and to, to I don't know, find a, a way to carry on and accept that you're probably not going to do that again. Um, and I think that... I I think they probably would have gone down as it was under Ranieri. I could see, you know, they they were probably the worst team in the Premier League on form. Um, 
so I, I can understand them changing it. I think it's sad because, you know, he's a legend there, of course, but I think that you have to pre- preserve Premier League status now. That relegation is mm. now so costly. It's someone... So I still can't remember, but someone on Twitter said relegation now, it's not just sporting failure, it's financial disaster. Yeah. I mean, look at the form. There are five losses in a row. Uh, maybe there's more than that. I can't I can't, can't yeah. quite figure it out. But Barely scored a goal in that time. Yeah, you know, it, it is. it has been a mess. Um, and I think, you know, the, the obvious way to change that is to, to change the manager. But I don't think it absolves the players of their part in what's happened either. You know, if Ranieri's message no. wasn't getting through, well, you know, that's that's all well and good, but too many players going through the motions. Um, and then if they decide, I think we saw it last season with Chelsea as well, where players decided that they just weren't going to play for uh, for Jose Mourinho anymore. Like, mm-hmm. look, at, look at Eden Hazard last season. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, completely different player. Uh, and I thought it was telling, you know, uh, Mourinho Ranieri have never been great pals in the past, but suddenly Mourinho's speaking out in support of him, got his yeah, initials on his a, shirt. What a cunt. What a I fucking know. thing to do. I looked at that and went, you fucking hypocrite. Come out with it like your T-shirt with Claudio Ranieri. My hole. What are you well, doing? I, think, I mean, you know, just fuck off. Seriously, if well, you're going to be a cunt, be a cunt. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And he's, he's he's obviously just trying to sort of hijack the situation, I think, to make yeah. a point about what happened to him at Chelsea. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's no, I mean, yeah, there's no real friendship between him and Ranieri as far as I know. So, yeah. Classic Mourinho, I guess. Classic Mourinho. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, sad for Claudio, I guess. Who knows? Next Arsenal manager. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a few people have made that gag all right. But yeah, look, <laughs> it, it's, um, it is sad. And you know what? He, he, uh, He's always come across as a gentleman, and I thought his uh, I thought his statement uh, to say goodbye, or what was the opening line yesterday? My my dream died, something like oh, that. God. You know, I know. And look, you can be cynical and say, yes, your dream died with a you know multi million pound payoff and everything else. But you know, just on a human level, he seems like a good guy, a gentleman, and uh, it's a shame the way it's gone. You know, to go from that high to that low. But we'll have to see what what happens uh, with Leicester. So, yeah, so class act, and he'll he'll certainly be missed in the Premier League, um, especially by opposition teams this season. What <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's going on at Arsenal? Anything? I mean, you know, we've beaten around this bush, but I I don't know. It feels like it's it's deathly quiet. Well, I guess that's not unsurprising, really, given the way things have been. Yeah. You know, the club probably have gone into shutdown a little bit on the media front. Yeah, a little bit. There's no game, so there's no need to be talking or tweeting or, or anything like that. Um, I mean, the, the the only story really that's emerged over the weekend is that Andreas Jonker is about to become the new manager mm. of Wolfsburg. So he's the guy who's in charge of the youth setup at the moment. And there have been some whispers over the period over the course of his um, over his reign there that it hasn't always been a happy uh, work environment for him and there was I think talk last year that he might he might be on his way but but stayed um, and that's obviously a role that's uh, a role that's going to have to be filled um, if he goes and I presume if he goes maybe one or two of his assistants will go with him yeah, I think it seems that way. And and interestingly, there has been talk about potential replacements for him already, hasn't there? I mean, I think I saw rumours earlier this season that they were looking at one of the guys from the Barcelona Academy. So maybe there was a sense that 
this was coming sooner rather than later? I don't know. It's it's sort of difficult to assess how embedded uh, Jonker ever really became at Arsenal. What, mm. what was your impression? I don't know. I mean, I feel like w- when he came in, there was a lot to do in terms of the way the youth set up a gun uh, to modernize it, to bring it, uh, to bring it forward, to develop it in a in a structured way. I mean, I guess we don't know what exactly the terms of uh, reference were. What was he tasked with exactly? Um, you know, when it comes to the work that he was doing at youth level, we we don't really know. Um, I mean, sending people on loan to Holland mainly. Well, yeah, I mean, that seems to be what every big club does, doesn't it? I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> uh, five or six or ten of them. But, you know, I, I guess uh, the, the fruits of his labour will be seen over the over the coming years, whether he's made a, a positive or a negative impact. I would imagine that, he, you know, he's worked hard. They've improved a lot of the facilities at, at Hayland, which is the Youth Academy training ground. There, there's uh, a lot of work going into that, which you would assume that he played a big part in, in terms of upgrading the facilities and upgrading the pitches and all that kind of stuff. So that would have been perhaps part of what he was tasked to do. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to... Um, how did they decide to fill that gap in the very short term? Will they, you know, will they go back to someone like Liam Brady or mm-hmm. are they going to look outside for somebody to come in and, and, uh, and take over there? Um, I mean, there is a lot well, of talent, isn't there, at, at, at underage level at Arsenal, but the path to first team football remains uh, as difficult as it ever has. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was it was in the Independent back in January. Pep Segura was the man uh, linked with it, who's worked at La Masia or La Masia. I don't know how you pronounce that. La Masia, I would say. Ah, there you go. Well, you'll know better than me, certainly. Um, so he, he could be a candidate. I mean, I guess it's another sort of area of uncertainty potentially. They, they might put Liam Brady in. You'd imagine until the end of the season because. What if, uh, come the end of the season, there's a, a new manager? They might have new ideas, or a new director of football even. They might have new ideas on mm. who should be installed in that role. So I think you might be looking at a short-term appointment until, I mean, the whole future of the club on the coaching side is more clear. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, I mean, Just you would another like another thing we're not sure about. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, it should be an appointment, really, that is uh, distinct and separate from from the manager but I, yeah. in in other ways they are linked because you would you would i guess it comes down to is there uh when we go forward is there going to be a managerial philosophy or a club philosophy if that makes sense because you look at barcelona Absolutely. right Barcelona, they train their kids. They're they're brought up with this philosophy. This is the way that you play football. It's drilled into them, uh, you know, as they join the club as as uh, young players and as they grow up within the Barcelona environment. They're taught to play that way. So there is this this philosophy of football within the club itself. Whereas if you bring in like an extreme example, you bring in a Sam Allardyce, right? His philosophy of football is very different from Arsene Wenger's philosophy of football. So is is what Arsenal are going to do in the future, is it going to be, uh, are they going to take this Arsene Wenger approach to football um, and try and uh, maintain that throughout the years, regardless of who they have as, as the manager or the head coach? That'll be an in- yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting, and I think that 
I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say the likelihood is that once Arsenal goes, Arsenal managers will become, as just as they have done at Manchester United, more disposable. I think the chances of people, you know, sustaining over that period of time are slimmer and slimmer in the modern game. So I think that kind of culture has to be imposed from an executive level. And it's it's not a new thing to say, but, you know, some sort of sporting director, f- director of football, I think is going to be absolutely integral in terms of defining, uh, you know, the 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 whole way the club is governed. Mm. Um, I'm really banging the drum for Mark Overmars. That's my new drum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really am. I, I've been reading about his, his work in Ajax. He's been there, I think, four years now. He okay. did a similar role at Go Ahead Eagles before there, where he was like in a voluntary capacity. And then when Johan Cruyff overhauled Ajax, he brought in Overmars as sporting director. He brought in uh, Burkamp, De Boer as coaches. I think Edwin van der Sar is the head of marketing at Ajax. What? Now. Yeah, yeah, seriously. It was this idea that Ajax had to get back to their roots and build things, you know, on, on the base of ex-players, a bit like the Bayern Munich model. And Overmars apparently has done a, a very good job as, as director of football there. And, you know, he's got experience in a big European club. He knows Arsenal. He loves Arsenal. His interview with him recently on the official site. Get him in, I say. Yeah. And then, you know what that means? Dennis. Come coming too. Exactly. He can head the academy. Well, I mean, you, you yeah. I mean, what an appointment that would be, because whatever whatever role you would like to see Dennis Bergkamp in, like, let's say you brought Dennis Bergkamp in as a coach. Mm. When a new manager comes in or a new coach comes in, he's going to want to bring in his own coaching staff. He may not want to work with, I mean, he might be an idiot, not want to work with Dennis Bergkamp. I mean, who wouldn't? But, you know, that's, that's <laughs> just the way things go. But... Yeah. Um, w- bringing in Dennis Bergkamp to perhaps oversee the Arsenal Academy to help develop players, to help maintain or foster or culture this Arsenal style of football, well, that would mm. be very interesting, wouldn't it? Because, you know, yeah. he, is, he is completely restricted. He can't be a manager if he won't, if he won't fly or if he can't fly. You know, that, that's the reality of the situation, uh, that he can't really be an assistant or he can't be a manager itself, you know? Um, so trying to think of another way of, of getting Dennis Bergkamp involved and, uh, you know, what he could impart to, uh, to, to young players, both in terms of, you know, just individually what he might deal with them, perhaps on the training ground, but his ideas about, A, the, the kind of football you should play, and B, your approach to football. Do you remember that mm. story? Um, someone emailed it to me recently. Um, let me see if I can find the, the email here. Uh, but anyway, it was it was Robin Van Persie, um, okay, and he was he was talking about uh, I can't find it. I'm sorry, whoever it was that emailed it through to me to remind me. But he said he was uh, you know one of his one of his first seasons at Arsenal anyway, he was finished on the training ground and he was having a shower or he's having one of those ice baths or something anyway, and he could still see out onto the training ground. And there was Dennis Bergkamp, uh, you know, still a highly experienced player, but out there practicing. I can't remember if he was practicing free kicks or through balls. It could have been through balls. He was working with a couple of youth players. And he said, I watched him and every single one he got 100% because he was concentrated. He was focused 100% on doing it the right way every single time. And Van Persie was sitting there going, oh, shit. Actually, that, that, that is what you need to do if you want to be... 
Dennis Bergkamp. For all the talent and all the skill and all the uh, everything else that he had, the, there was still a whole lot of hard work uh, uh, and training went into it. You know, so trying to impart that mindset onto young players who, you know, we've seen young players who've got so much talent and ability come through this club and not get anywhere near the first team because their mind their mind is not right. They're not they're not focused enough. They're not willing to put in the hard work. They're more interested in the uh, the sideshow that is being a professional footballer, whether that's money or cars or girls or whatever it might be. You know, the lifestyle mm. is better than the football. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, I think it'd be a terrific role for him to take. He could do a bit of coaching out on the training ground if he wanted, but a kind of uh, technical director or head of the academy... Um, yeah, look, that would be fantastic to have him embedded in the club in that manner. Mm. And it would be a move, you know, a move towards that kind of Bayern Ajax model of getting people who have an affinity with the club involved, you know, with decisions at a higher level. I think, I don't know, that's that's my drum, guys, the Overmars Burkamp dream team. Yes, yes, I'm all right with that. I'll, I'll get, get me another drum. And uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> we'll drum together. It. We'll drum together, exactly. Not like Phil Collins, though. Oh, no, no, absolutely uh, not. Absolutely. Tell a lie. I did actually watch some Arsenal football this weekend. I watched about an hour of the under-23 game. Did you see any of that? I did, actually. I was sitting here on Friday. It was Friday afternoon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was watching a bit of that, actually, because Welbeck was playing and uh, Rob Holding was playing. A, a goal and an assist for Rob Holding. Wow. I mean, he is uh, the, the, the libero we've all been waiting for. The Baracy of the under twenty three. Absolutely. Putting no pressure on him whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was actually quite entertaining. It's good to see some young players, uh, players I hadn't seen play before. Uh, Cohen Bramwell played at left back. I it's thought quick, isn't he? Yeah, he's super quick. I was really impressed by him. Actually, it's sort of interesting. Um, you know, in the week that we we played a, a non-league side and saw, you know how close the gap can be in some ways and how far apart in others. I thought mm. he seems to have bridged that divide very well. And you can see immediately, Arsene Wenger was sat there on the bench watching, but you could see why he might have impressed him in training. Good footwork, very confident for a player who's not used to playing at that level and uh, absurdly quick. Yeah, yeah, very fast. Yeah, some yeah, some good uh, some good moments, all right. Uh, I thought they, uh, they, played, they played pretty well. Uh, against uh, it was Chelsea, wasn't it? So you know you could see could see that there are players there who will be uh, knocking on the door. Uh, is it Chris Willock? Chris Willock is a very handy player. Mm. I thought um, Reese Nelson. I hadn't seen much of either as well. I thought yeah. he had some nice touches. Um, what else did I think? I also like the the guy who played at centre half, Ben Sheaf. I think he's a good young player. Yeah, I've seen him play in holding midfield. And at centre back, a bit like Bierlich, he's kind of he's kind of doubling up in those roles at the moment. But mm. uh, very good footballer, good f- sort of physical specimen. Bierlich did very well as well. He came on uh, on Friday for Birmingham against Wolves. Came on at centre half, and Birmingham fans were was it against Wolves or against Villa? I don't know. But he, the Birmingham fans were absolutely raving about his performance. He made some brilliant defensive interventions, and they're all clamouring for him to start from now on. So he seems to be managing okay there. Well, that's it. That's what those uh, loan spells are about, isn't it? When you uh, yeah. when you get a chance, you've got to take them. Uh, you've got to take it, rather. And uh, he, he seems to have done that all right. Yeah, I did see some of the, the headlines and people talking about that performance. So, yeah, I mean, there's some, some fringy Arsenal stuff going on, but I think we've probably... Uh, 
uh, we've probably exhausted it. Uh, yeah, I think at, that's at, fair. At this point. Um, so, without wishing to uh, make any uh, moves on your sandwiches, we'll, we'll, we'll call an end to part one, and we'll come back with part two and questions and stuff right after this. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Uh, you want to go first for some reason? I do. I, well, also, I forgot to wish you and Arsblog a happy 15th birthday. 15 fucking hell. Where, I mean, that is, there are a lot of humans who are less old than that. They're, they're children, yes. They're called children. Yeah. <laughs> they're called children, yeah, and they're terrifying. Uh, 15 yeah. years. I know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, where the hell has uh, has the time gone? Where, I mean... I mean, Arsblog existed in a time when Arsenal won the league, guys. Doubles. Not just doubles. doubles. That's what oh. it was. Doubles and unbeaten seasons and all that kind of stuff. And then, here we are, not doing that. So I think like make Arsenal great again. Go back to yes. 2002. That's that's what we need. Yeah, but honestly, it's um it's really quite bizarre to think that it has been 15 years uh to the day that I wrote the the first ever post on on Arsblog and uh I guess time flies when you're having fun or it time does. flies when you're doing the same thing every single morning of your life. I don't know. I don't know how to yeah. measure it, really, but it does feel like... I mean, how long after Arsblog um, did Gunnerblog start? Uh, I think it was like two years, like right. two, or two or three years. So not that much far behind, but like, thank God these things started... You know, thank God you started Arsblog when you did. You got to document some great stuff, the Invincible season, all that. If, it, if you'd missed mm. it by a few years... You know, it would be a much gloomier place, probably. Absolutely. Maybe it's those first couple of seasons that are, you know, they're like the the, the oil in my engine. They're what's fueling me. This, uh, like, chasing the blogging dragon. That's what it is. You know, when you first start. Yeah, oh, exactly. My, my, first, my first hit of Arsenal blogging is so good, man. I got to get yeah. back there. <laughs> and now here I am all these years later. No, Still I'm just, going, yeah, and it's, it's a sort terrible of tragedy. Footballing methadone, I guess. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I mean, you know, it is a hell of an achievement, but it, it's a story 15 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank happy you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Well, look, this question comes from Chris Gilman, and he starts by saying, happy 15th anniversary. He says, you are only five years behind Arsene Wenger, and you talk a lot about us not having the right structure in place for when he retires. retires. All right. But what about Arse blog? Have you considered who will take over when you retire? Will you join the board? Please tell me it won't be James who will take over. Arseblog has a sense of class and style, and seeing how James's dress sense is worse than Stevie Wonder with no help, it concerns me greatly. Um, I think that's a bit mean. Please tell me it won't be James. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of harsh. I mean, I get where he's coming from with the with the dress. I'm sense. Steve Bold, and everyone's like, you know, he's part of it. They don't they don't want me involved. You know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think they want someone from. They want an outside voice after all this time. Guilty by association. Yeah, we need a yeah. fresh fresh start, a, a <laughs> new broom to sweep everything away. What am I? Yeah, no, I don't know. What 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 am I going to do other than? Than just keep doing it, I guess. Uh, it's so just in- ingrained into my life that it's the first thing I do every morning. What's going to happen if I retire? I'm never going to retire. Uh, that's. I mean, you sound so much like Arsene Wenger that it's really troubling. <laughs> <laughs> I will be blogging next season, whether it's here or somewhere else, James. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, God. Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, we'll just keep chugging along, and uh, as long as everybody uh, still digs it, and uh, I guess I should say, you know, thank you to everyone who does uh, read and who does listen and emails and all those kind of things, because uh, ultimately it would be quite pointless if you were just shouting into the void so you know to have the uh, the feedback and uh, and and the support of all the people who've listened down the years i mean there are people who've been there from like day 1 practically um you got a couple of emails this morning going oh i found, like i've been reading since 2002 every single morning so i i guess when you become that that much a part of people's lives it's uh, it's a great thing so uh yeah, yeah. there we are uh, but no, I mean, if you need, a, if you want a place on the board, James, I would, I would, uh, I, I would do that for you. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be at all precious. Uh, I'm not worried that you're after my sandwiches or anything like that. I, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I'm just well, saying, think, I'm just saying that you know, yeah. when when the sitcom does come, you know, a sure. b- bit part here for uh, for old Uncle Arsblog, be good. Okay, well, I, th- I guess what you're <laughs> recognising is that you need someone, you know, you need someone on the board with blogging expertise. Oh, absolutely. Because they can, they can help manage the transition as well if you do yeah. eventually retire. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, fair um, enough. All right, well, uh, here, here's a question. Uh, where is it now? Okay, Josh Stevenson uh, says, last summer we were linked with a few left backs and neither Nacho nor Gibbs have been outstanding this season. In light of this, would you want the Arsenal to go after Luke Shaw? And I just want to follow this up um, by uh, reading out a question from at Scots84, who is uh, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49. Lots of 49s uh, on, on Twitter. And he says... Why hasn't Arsene Wenger bought a proper left-back into the club since Ashley Cole? Hashtag Monreal's natural man you need. Hashtag shit. And I've also no- I've noticed at Scots84 uh, in previous weeks, he really does not like Nacho Monreal. He just right. he does not like him at all. So uh, maybe, we can, maybe we can explore that. Well, first of all, let me just say, I've Googled Luke Shaw and his name, his full name is Luke Paul Hawshaw. What? Yeah. <laughs> Haw? 
Whore. 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 Which is spelled... I mean, disappointingly, it's not spelled W-H-O-R-E. It's H-O-A-R-E. Am I saying that right? Whore. If so, I really enjoy that he's called Horshaw. Isn't there a footballer for- called Horshaw or Forshaw or something? Forshaw? I don't know. Um, but... Luke Shaw and Nacho Monreal, let's let's compare and contrast. I mean, uh, Monreal's not been what he was last season. I think that's fair to say, but he was pretty extraordinary last season. I mean, I I think uh, uh, there was a case he should have been in the reckoning for player of the year because he was so, so consistent. It seemed like every single game uh, he put in a good performance, mm. barely a foot wrong. It's not quite been as... Uh, he's not quite been as successful this time around uh, but I feel like that's as much to do with a lack of consistency in terms of who's been playing in front of him I feel mm. like he's had to deal with a changing team setup. I feel like our defensive midfields constantly rotated as well and that that position plays a huge role in covering the full backs so but 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 either way he's he's not he's not long for the first team just because he's he's not a particularly young player naturally mm. how old is he now uh, 31, maybe? Yeah, 31 he is indeed. In fact, he was 31 years old yesterday. Oh, happy birthday, Nacho! Yeah, there we go. So, I mean, it's not that old, to be fair. No, no. I mean, it's... It's, so, it's only two arse blogs and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think a left-back... Basically, if Ozil and Alexis stay, I think left-back is the big priority in the summer. Mm. I think if they go, that all changes. But uh, I think if you're looking at the first team now and said what area needs an upgrade, left-back is the the one that potentially jumps out at you. Yeah, I I think we've been after a left-back for a while because we've been linked with all these uh, young guys. Uh, There was, uh, last summer, probably five or six left-backs linked. And, you know, you can always talk about transfers being speculative and and it's, uh, you know, um, a lot of stuff that's in the papers isn't true. But I think there's an element of smoke and fire here that there were so many left-backs linked, it's almost as if we were sending our scouts out to look at left-backs. So there Mm -hmm. was a guy at Celtic called Kieran Tierney. There was Ben Chilwell mm-hmm. at uh, at Leicester. There was the guy at Wolfsburg, Rodriguez. Is that... Um, yeah, Ricardo Rodriguez. Ricardo yeah. Rodriguez. I, there was the guy that ended up at, at Dortmund um, from a French club. He might have gone from Lorient to Dortmund. Uh, there were like... Tyrone Mings. Remember Tyrone Mings? Yeah. There's a lot of talk about him. He, he ended up at Bournemouth. Um, but none of those players were, were above 23 years of age. So it's, no. it's, it's said to me that we were looking for something for the future. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, w- I would be... I would certainly be uh, in line for, for an upgrade in that position. But going back to it, what about, what about Horshaw? Oh, sure. Well, I tell you what, when Manchester United bought Luke Shaw, and that was a couple of years ago now, and they paid about £30 million, I was convinced that that was a very sound investment because I'd seen Shaw at Southampton and he just looked like he was nailed on to be a top left back for the next decade. And I sort of thought it was one of those, a bit like where when Chelsea bought Ashley Cole, you know, they they paid a fair sum, but they got themselves a left back who they could rely on for the best part of 10 years. Yeah. And uh, I thought, that's a smart move. It hasn't quite... I mean, Mourinho seems to really have it in for him. I mean, uh, there have been some question marks over his fitness and his, his weight. I mean, he's not quite Gary Shaw uh, um, from Sutton, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's on the way. But I think... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he's 21 years old still. 
So I do think that he could be worth a pun if United bomb him out of there. I, I you know, I, he doesn't seem to get a look in, and I think he's a better player probably than Rojo, who's been playing there for United. So uh, I think you know, in fairness, you're a better player than Rojo. And that is saying something. And I've seen uh, you play, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's always difficult to get a player from one big English club to another, but it's one that I would... It's one that I'd be interested in. I'd certainly consider it. If they're looking to bomb him out of there, um, it's not It's not the worst shot I've heard. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, he did look like a player of real potential, didn't he? Um, mm. It's hard now to assess where he is in his career after... Uh, after the injury, because we we forget that he had a really really bad injury. Uh, I think yeah. is you know the treatment from Mourinho has been quite harsh, but then you wouldn't expect anything else from Mourinho because he's such a dickhead. Um, I, I you know there's an element here of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, so I quite yeah. like I like Luke Shaw because he obviously doesn't get on with uh, with Jose Mourinho. Wasn't there some stuff about his brother? You tweeted out some stuff about Mourinho as well, and it ended up it ended up getting deleted. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, twenty one years of age, uh, lots of potential. Career has hit a bit of a, a sticky patch. It would be not the most un Arsenal thing in the world if we were to try and rescue a player in those circumstances. No, and look, we took Danny Welbeck out of Manchester United in slightly different circumstances, and that's panned out pretty well. Uh, I, I think they'll have their targets. I do wonder if Ricardo Rodriguez will be on that list again because it seemed like you know there was some fire behind that smoke last summer. But mm. yeah, sure, sure. If you were drawing up your little short list, uh, sure would be on there. Sure would be on there for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, should we have another question? Yeah. Okay. This is from Jason Smith on Twitter, and he's at Wonon one one one. And oh, I see what he's done. One 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 one. One 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 one. Yes, very clever. He asks. Jason asks. Do you think ticket prices for the Bayern Munich home leg should be reduced? Plenty of seats left. The cheapest is sixty four pounds. Do I think? I mean, is it possible? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do I think they should? Perhaps. Yeah. Will it happen? Absolutely not. No, clearly not. Uh, You know, I think there is the danger of uh, a big Champions League game. Well, what should be a big Champions League game uh, looking a bit grim because I think a lot of people will stay away or Mm. put their tickets on ticket exchange. I mean, I suppose it would be good for... Uh, you know, if people weren't going to to make their tickets available to other people, but you know, it is it is going to be one of those games, isn't it, where it's pretty much a foregone conclusion uh, in terms of the overall result of the tie. And there's, I wonder, will there be an element of people staying away uh, as a form of protest? Uh, you know, that that people who aren't necessarily inclined to uh, shout and scream or you know wave things around might decide that the best form of protest they can take part in is simply not turning up. Empty seats tell a big story, um, you know, and it's it's one of those things. Um, it's one of those things that clubs hate to see, just yeah. empty seats. So, I mean, 
if they you know if they knew there was a a, a way of of selling these tickets let's say for a tenner to make sure the ground was full i'm sure they would do it but i don't think that's possible because of whatever the the ticket price regulations are the way that tickets are sold i don't think there's any way that 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 can happen especially with people i guess having already paid you know, some people have already paid top mark for those tickets. Mm. I mean, do, do you think as well as a slight issue of if you reduce the ticket prices, are you waving the white flag and saying, well, that's that's it? I mean, you, you, you and I might think it's done, but do the club have to keep alive the sense that, well, this is you know, still a possibility? Yeah, I guess they do. I guess they do. Everyone's realistic enough to know, you know, what's uh, the Arsenal... I just don't think, unless a miracle happens, are not going to get through against Bayern Munich. Um, I don't think you, I don't think you beat a team four nil that's just beaten you five one that comes into the game on the back of an eight nil and a whatever else they're going to do before, uh, before this game. I, you know, it just doesn't happen unless something mad happens, like they get a player sent off in the first few minutes, and you know something crazy. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. But I suppose as a as a football club and as a team, they've got to approach the game in the most serious way that they can do it, and that has to be reflected, I suppose, throughout the throughout the uh, the, the build up to the game as well. Um, mm. But I guess I'm guessing if you wanted to go and see Arsenal versus Bayern Munich. If you were to use Ticket Exchange, if you were to check out the Arsenal Tickets Twitter account uh, on uh, in the build-up to that game, the week of the game, I suspect it would be pretty easy for you to find a ticket to to go to that game. Yeah, I think I think so too, and I think that probably on the night there will be a few patches of the ground that look a little bit quieter than normal. But uh, yeah, we've we've got all that to look forward to. Mm. Anyway, another question. All right, this comes from Svenso7, who's at Svenso777, who is a a, a kind of a a litany of tweets here, um, who says, 15 years, has it been that long? Yes, it has. Uh, Congrats, but now I feel old. Yes, I do too. Uh, But his question is, he, he, he wants to know about changes in the game. He said, I noticed our Anfield 89 goal started with a back pass to the keeper, which he picked up and threw out, so it wouldn't have been allowed now. What changes are you pleased and displeased about that have come into the game? It doesn't have to be just rules of the game, but changes to the to the culture of football too. Uh, over the years, I guess, the way that the, mm. the game has changed. Um, little incremental things. Um, so what's it, let, think of some good ones, should we? Uh, yeah, I think first, first thing that springs to mind is goal line technology. I think that, I, I you know, I, I've always wondered about if they would bring it in, if it would slow the game down, you know, w- would people put, welcome it? But it's been very smooth transition and it seems to work. Did you see the goal at the weekend? Uh R- in, ah. in Holland. Uh, no. <laughs> right. So uh, let me just see if I can. I can't remember the teams involved. Um, but basically, the goalkeeper is behind the line. The Ospina um, Classic. It's yeah. He's behind the line, but he's holding the ball. Uh, the ball on the line itself. Right. Mm. So the ball is is on the line. No goal. Um, but as he. Uh, seeks to move off and take the ball with him, he sort of clutches it to his chest and the goal line technology gives a goal. Oh, man. What, so he, like, pulls it back over the line of his yeah. own free will? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. I must see if I can find this here. Um, 
Yeah, PSV. It's the PSV goalkeeper. He's holding the ball on the line. I'm just going to watch the video here. Yep, holding the ball on the line. He is behind the line. He's got the ball, hand on the ball, and then clutches it to his chest, and the goal line technology uh, awards the goal against PSV. So, wow. Yeah. Good for I mean, whoever they were rules, playing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there must be fears of them. But if you will stand behind the line at all times, you will run that risk. Mm. Um, uh, but so that's, I think, generally been a good change. Uh, what else has been a good change? More subs. Yeah. Having more seven subs. subs. Seven subs has definitely been a good thing. Um, what about the introduction of the transfer window? Where, how would you put that? Because obviously when... When the blog started, there was no transfer window, as far as I'm aware. Was there? I mean, the... the I'm trying to remember when the There was a transfer, transfer deadline in, like... March. March or something, yeah. yeah. Maybe that was slightly before the blog, I don't know. Yeah, um... Transfer windows. You know, I, I, I really feel like one of the best changes they could make would be to uh, coordinate the close of the transfer window with the start of the season, so that you're yeah, not great. you're not dealing with two or three weeks in August where there's still this uncertainty where it would focus uh, managers and clubs on doing their business before the season began. I suppose the difficulty is, of course, that the season begins at different times, uh, you know, across Europe. But in general, I think that would be a, a good change that they could make. Um I'm trying to think what else. I mean, offside, they've confused the offside rule to like a large extent, haven't they? You know, yeah. you know this, the player has to move to the ball stuff. The pointlessness of that is annoying to me. You know, when a guy is clearly offside and the flag doesn't go up, doesn't go up, doesn't go up, doesn't go up, mm. doesn't go mm. up, doesn't go up. The guy's offside. Everyone knows he's offside. Flag doesn't go up. Not going. No, no. And then as soon as he gets the ball, it's like flag goes up. You're like, oh, come on. You know, yeah, you could yeah, yeah. you could you could do better than that. I think I think that's an area that still needs uh, a bit of work. I think the the one thing that strikes me as not having improved in any significant way over the course of the lifetime of the blog, anyway, is the disciplinary system. Uh, despite the fact that there is more and more video technology, despite the fact that we've got camera angles that can show everything, um, you know, almost instantaneously. I'm not even talking about implementing it during games because I still think that's, I, I think there's room to do that, but, uh, you know, it's got to be really well thought out. But I don't understand why there isn't more focus on the seriousness of bad tackles, for example, stuff that can be punished after the fact, um, uh, an inability to allow teams perhaps to cite another player the way that they do in rugby for what they might consider serious foul play, uh, the the length of time that bans are handed out. So you have Granite Xhaka getting a four-match ban uh, and John Terry getting a four-match ban for uh, things that are just not even on the same scale. One's a sporting uh, uh, offence, and, you know, if it's an offence, it's an offence. But one is a, another a more egregious societal issue that should have been dealt with far more harshly. So there's this inconsistency within the disciplinary system that has always frustrated me. And the, the lack, the unwillingness to do anything about it or to have a meaningful discussion about it is, is a, a problem. I think it's a problem. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's definitely... <laughs> true i mean and and the attitude to tackling 
uh, and some of the hypocrisy that exists around it kind of exemplified this weekend. I, I know you retweeted those comments from Graham Souness about Deli Alley's challenge yeah. in the Europa League, which was an appalling tackle. Um, and it, it is frustrating. I mean, obviously he's not on the disciplinary side of the game, but I think it does reflect that kind of uh, bizarre unwillingness to, to, to crack down on that sort well, of Well, yeah, thing. I mean, it's consistency, is it? If, 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 if Granit Xhaka's challenge is, is worthy of condemnation and criticism, fine. But mm-hmm. by the same token, so is Deli Ali's. And actually, oh, it, yeah. it was it was a far worse, far worse challenge. It was born out of pure petulance. He went over the ball to try and hurt the guy. And that guy is really lucky that his leg wasn't snapped or his knee wasn't damaged or he didn't do his ligaments in his knee. And you cannot excuse that by saying, oh, he's got a bit of the devil in him or he's a bit like, oh, I'm just going to let you know I'm there. I'm frustrated. I'm not I'm not accepting this. You know, there's there's a line that you you really shouldn't cross. And if you go, even in the heat of the moment, if you're out there to deliberately injure an opponent, that's the line that you shouldn't cross. And that is the line that uh, the broadcasters and the pundits to a man ought to be uh, held accountable to. Because the minute you start Mm. excusing it, then it, you know, you, you sort of normalize it or legitimize it that people think, oh, well, this is okay. It's all right to go over the top and stick my studs in a guy's knee. Of course it's not. You know, and it's this, this idea that just because a guy shows a bit of passion or fight, it doesn't excuse it, you know? Yeah, and also I think the broadcasters, I mean, it's probably not right that it's the case, but they do play a role in the kind of the disciplinary proceedings because I feel like <clears throat> if the broadcasters highlight something, uh, there's a much greater chance that the FA will, f- will follow up on it. Mm. And that's why I come back to the the idea that uh, if, if a club or if a team feels like it has been on the wrong end of a decision because Sky or BT haven't jumped on it and said, look, this is a terrible tackle or, or, or what have you, uh, that they should then be able to 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 take it further through the disciplinary process that doesn't yet exist but should exist for this kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. There uh, you go. Any other any other big changes that we can think of? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, if you think back to '89 and what's changed since then. Chelsea got all that money and got good. That's what. That's one of the, the real blows of the yeah. last twenty or so years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. The, the I mean, that's that's the thing. I guess the billionaire owners, you know. Yeah, well, the business of football, that um, football clubs exist as holding companies and PLCs and marketing uh, agencies and all that kind of stuff. That the business side of the game is now. I won't say more important, but there appears to be a greater focus on that than there should be. Like, we're all so up-to-date and aware because of all the information that's that's around there. I mean, I think one of the changes that's happened to football in general is, A, the internet, and B, the availability of information about areas of the club that we do and don't know things about. So, for example, you know, if you read uh, Arsblog News, if you read George Bird's uh, weekly column uh, about the youth system, I mean, there's a guy who knows the Arsenal youth system inside out, back to front, and who writes about it, you know, on his own blog, he writes about it on Ars blog and elsewhere. And this knowledge that people have of of these players that are coming in is, is a great thing. Sometimes not so much. Um, I, I remember there was another... Wasn't there the other uh, the other youth Arsenal uh, blog which seemed mm. to be a bit more... I don't know. It seemed to be sort of lauding these guys as, as great, 
you know, players and talents and personalities way before it was necessary to do that. But, you know, having the information about the youth team is, is us much more well-informed, same as we are about the commercial income and the commercial revenue that the club has and the sponsors and all that kind of stuff. So there's, I wonder, is there like information overload? I think actually I might have a, is there a related question to this? Um, boom, boom, boom. Uh, Ollie Tucker, Ollie Tucker 93 says, do you think it's possible we overthink football way too much? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably. Certainly you and I are probably guilty of it, the amount of time that we put into it in various capacities. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what specific, in what respect Ollie means that, but I think... I think we do sometimes in terms of the fact that it's, you know, ultimately it's 11 versus 11 out there on the field. And, you know, there's a a degree to which that's uncontrollable, even for a manager. You know, there are sort of little things happening tiny equations you know firing yeah. off in every game of football that are, are kind of difficult to define and pin down and ultimately I think we place accountability on things that we that you know yeah maybe you can't but even um, sort of coming back to you know the the, the EFL Cup final and the, the dismissal of it from all quarters from anybody who wasn't Manchester United or you know Arsenal fans who yeah. are who, who demand absolutely demand success but are then going ah, it's only the EFL Cup fuck them look at them look at them celebrating celebrating like they've won something uh, you know uh, that that yeah. that somehow we forget that it does come down to these moments that ultimately success is is measurable not just in uh, what what commercial revenue you have or how many sponsors you have or what what deal you've done with the washing machine supplier in Indonesia for example uh, that's great and all but like it comes down to cups and trophies so I, I do wonder yeah, if, I mean you know we we view United as being in a slump and and they are in many respects but they have won two trophies in, you know, what is it, eight months, something like that, um, the FA Cup last season. Yeah. I mean, Cosmo, who's at Cosmo Kramer too on Twitter, asked, be honest, do you wish we had been at Wembley yesterday and are we just being churlish by trashing it? Who doesn't want to win a cup final? Who doesn't yeah. want to be at Wembley? In a, well, I don't necessarily want to be at Wembley personally because I, I hate the place. Uh, I, I do, I just don't like it. I, mean, I had some good days there, um, you know, the cup finals in 2014, 2015, but just the, the just getting there and getting out of there is such a pain in the arse it makes you not want to go. Yeah, but like in general, yes, who wouldn't want to be in a cup final and then win that cup final? I don't understand what, what there is to be critical of that about. You know, you can celebrate winning a cup final and be aware that it's not the Champions League. It's not the Premier League. Of course not. We can still, as a fan, if you can't get into your team winning a cup final and lifting a trophy, what the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I I said the same when Arsenal celebrated finishing in the Champions League places. You know, I mean, people said that's nothing to celebrate. Well, at the time it was, you know, and that was an enjoyable day. And we acknowledge that. And absolutely. that's absolutely fine. Yeah, that's what know. being a fan's about. Yeah, you know, but people take it to extremes and, you know, it's got to be either one thing or the other, that it's black or white, that there's no there's no middle ground that you can't see, that it doesn't have to be either this or that. There's a fucking lot of stuff in between that's part and parcel of what football is and makes football so great, you know? So, yeah. I, 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 th- I, think, I think also, just going back to what's changed, I think 
maybe this is wrong, but I feel like, you know, the world has obviously changed in that time. And, you know, things like the advent of social media, uh, the fact that the news agenda is so dominated by opinion now because news proliferates differently. Mm. I feel like that's changed football too. I feel like football's more a more tumultuous environment than it was 25 years ago. But then yeah. so is the world in some respects. Well, true as well. But I also think there's a, like... There's an unwillingness to accept that people can have differences of opinion and not argue and fight about it. Like, let's say your favorite player is Aaron Ramsey and he's not my favorite player. Sure. I can simply accept that that's the fact. I don't have Mm. to convince you in a series of tweets, well, Ramsey's shit because what's he done since the cup final? What did he ever do since that thing? And blah, blah, blah. And he's always injured. And you go, yeah, but he's just, he's just my favorite player. I like him. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Isn't it? You know, and you know, it's possible. You don't have to, to be angered by that. Yeah. You don't have to be fucking angered by everything. And that's, I think that's one of the worst things about football these days is that people are so angry about everything all the time. That they, yeah. th- that they also feel that their anger uh, justifies uh, behavior that really isn't acceptable in many mm. ways. That, mm. okay, it's fine to be passionate, but, you know, uh, y- your anger doesn't excuse oafishness or, or boorishness or bad manners or talking to people like they're idiots just because they hold a different, uh, different opinion to you. Fine, make your, make your point, but you're not some kind of, you know, you don't need to be a messiah that people have to row in behind. So I think that's the that's the thing that that uh, that I like to try and keep some distance from. Is that okay? I don't. I'm not going to agree with everybody, and everybody's not going to agree with me, and I don't expect everybody to agree with me. Um, but I can I can accept that unless the opinion is like completely and utterly stupid, like somebody saying, for example, mm, I don't know, like we should get uh, Alan Pardew or David Moyes as our next manager, you know, uh, that generally speaking, (laughs) the world can exist with you thinking one thing, me thinking the other thing, and we don't have to want to kill each other because of it. No, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I don't want that view that you hold does not make me want to kill you. Good. Uh, And even if I disagreed... It oughtn't make me want to kill you. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, do, do you do you like sandwiches with the crusts cut off? Uh, sometimes, sometimes. I, I'm not against them. But, right. you know, we've been through this before. We've had the whole jam, marmalade, toast, <laughs> butter or not. You know, we've dealt with this issue and we came through it and the podcast still stands. So Absolutely. I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Absolutely. Well, then to finish off, here we go. Uh, this comes from Daniel at Dan Athjo uh, on Twitter, and he says, chips with gravy, salt and vinegar, or other? Ooh. Mm. What's other? Um, other is uh, whatever well, you like. That could be ketchup, could be mayo, could be anything. I know my answer to this, and I'm obviously, in, in the light of uh, you know what you've just said, I feel confident to give it in the knowledge that you won't... Uh, React badly. So my response would be salt and vinegar. Right. Oh, right. Oh no. For me, it depends on depends on right. the chips context. Yeah. There's. You see, this is what I'm talking about. It's not just black and white. Can't be. You know. It depends on the size of the chips. So if you go Thin to chip like chips. Yeah, yeah. If you go to a chipper, 
a chip shop and get like the chip shop chips, which are big and chunky and fat chips, absolutely salt and vinegar all the way. Mm -hmm. The more salt and the more vinegar, the better. Uh, Brilliant. But if you're talking about like fries, like kind of thin Mm. and crispy fries, I don't want vinegar on those at all. Just salt. What do you want on them? Just Just salt. salt. Maybe a bit of ketchup on the side that I can that I can dip in a little bit. I actually agree with you. What about mayonnaise? How do you feel about mayonnaise? I don't really like mayonnaise, you see. I I like mayonnaise on things, but not on chips. Okay. Now we've probably just um, we've probably just uh, pissed off all of Belgium. Sorry about that. Yeah. But (laughs) it's it's not for me. Chips and mayonnaise not for me. And to be perfectly honest. I'm not mad for any other kind of sauce with chips other than tomato ketchup. So gravy's a no for you? 100%. 100% no, gravy and chips. No, thank you. Really? And, yeah. No, just that, that makes them soggy and disgusting. What about cheese? Mm, a sort of melted cheese, actually. You yeah, can get those chips, cheese cheesy and, chips. Yeah, yeah, cheese and bacon sort of fries. I can, I can live with that every now and again, but it's got to be those thin, crispy chips. Has to be those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they just won't stand up to it. Do they do? Uh, do they do curry chips over there? Yeah. yeah. Curry chips. Yeah. 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 That's big nice. sort of tray of chips with curry sauce. No. Absolutely not. No. Thank you. Not happy. really. Just as no. Not interested at all. No. I guess it's similar to the gravy. What about like chili fries? Are you aware of chili fries? Is that like uh, fries with a, a spoonful of chili on them? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. I feel like that's available in a lot of restaurants in London. Yeah. Chili fries, it's a thing. I uh, wouldn't be mad. No, no, again, again, you know, you're you're dealing with two things that should be separate, in my It opinion. feels like you want your, if if you're, you want your your fries to be crispy and crunchy. Yeah. And you don't want to compromise that with gravy-ish. Yeah, any, anything that would make them sloppy or, or, or gloopy in any way. I don't. Right, I don't yeah. think I would be into that. But of course, when you put salt and vinegar on the chipper chips, they do get a bit. Um, they do. They can get a bit. The last ones down the bottom of the bag can be a bit, you know, soggy. But that's okay. I like those ones. Though. Yeah, I like those a lot. But they're, yeah. they're like the treasure at the bottom. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I think we've we've reached a consensus on on the chips thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, chips. By the way, to American listeners, chips are fries. We'd better explain that, right? Yeah, people, they get, people know that stuff. Yeah, they, they know that. They know that. They know we're not thinking about, uh, you know, potato chips that you get in a big bag. They no, know that. Imagine dipping those in vinegar. That would be weird. Yeah. Well, you get some well, salt and vinegar flavor crisps. That's true, actually. Yeah. Mm. So it must have been a born from that. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite crisp flavor? Ready salt. Too low, too low, too slow. Ham on ruffles is the answer. Oh, really, God, of course, yeah. Of course, ham on ruffles. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to Spain in July, and uh, okay. oh, did you just fall over with shock? I just punched my laptop. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, uh, you're going to Spain in July. Yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, ham on right. ruffles all the way, baby. Yeah, gonna ham on it up. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy them. I will. Do you want me to? I'll probably speak to you before then. I reckon. Probably. Do you want me to like bring you back some or send you over some like a care package? Yeah, Yes, yeah. please. A big box full. Ship yeah, them. that's it. All right. Well, good. Good. Okay. Um, shall we leave it there? I think I think we've done very well, really, considering how little news there was. Exactly. Solve the problems of the world when it comes to chips and Aaron Ramsey. Thankfully, that's done and dusted now. Um, what have we got at the weekend? Oh, Liverpool. Liverpool. I mean, we haven't really spoken about that. I'll leave that to you on Friday. That's an absolutely huge game, I yes. think. Yes. 
Yes, it is. It's um, we could be down at sixth by the time that game takes place. So there's a bit I mean, more pressure. Uh, yeah, I think there's huge pressure on Arsene Wenger to to deliver something mm. in that game. All right, well, look, I, I guess then, given that it is uh, Liverpool, I'll, I'll speak to the Mug Smasher, amongst other things, uh, for the podcast on Friday, and we'll be back to uh, to assess what happens at Anfield at uh, 5.30 on Saturday evening. We'll talk about that on Monday morning. So until then, folks, have a good one. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.